fifth service or the fifth message in this series on Lord Teach Us to Pray. And um, we have been using for our main text Luke 11 and 1 where Jesus was praying in a certain place, the Bible says. And when He had ceased praying, one of His disciples came to Him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. That should be the prayer and desire of all of us tonight, is for the Lord to teach us to pray. Amen. And um, prayer is so, so vitally important in our lives. And we've made this, we've made this statement over and over the last few weeks, how important and tried to stress the fact of how important that it is that we as believers, number one, that we pray. That's, I guess that's number one. It's important that we pray. But it's also very important that we pray the right way, that we pray effectively, amen? That we have a proper prayer life and that we pray effectively. And so anytime the Lord teaches us something, He's going to teach us through His Word. He's going to teach us um, to, to how to live for God through His Word, and He's going to teach us how to pray through His Word. So we have talked about, um, the, in the first message, we talked about um, New Covenant prayer, New Testament prayer, how important it was to understand the difference between prayer under the New Covenant and prayer under the Old Covenant. There's so much, you know, we are under a a better covenant. We have a better covenant established on better promises. Everything about this new covenant that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ is just better. That's what the book of Hebrews teaches, that it's all better. And so prayer is, is uh, we have more rights and privileges and authority in prayer under the New Testament than they did under the Old Testament. And so we talked about that, and then we talked about, we've been talking about um, five important factors in New Testament prayer. Since we're living under the New Testament, then we need to know how to pray in line with the teachings of the New Testament, what Jesus taught about prayer, what uh, the Apostle Paul taught about prayer in the epistles, and so the very first thing when we began this about the five most important factors in New Testament prayer was to pray to the Father, remember, in the name of Jesus. All prayer has to be, effective prayer has to be offered in the name of Jesus. And it has to be addressed to the Father. Jesus said to His disciples in that day, speaking of the day, then that, that we're living in now after he had died and gone back to be with the Father and, and at the right hand of the Father in that day said, don't ask me, you won't ask me anything. But he said, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, uh, he will give it to you. He said, up until now you've asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. How many want your joy full? Amen. Well, he said to pray and ask and in, in, of the Father in the name of Jesus. And that's referring to you 
personally, your petitions, your needs, what you have need of, you go to the Father and, and ask in the name of Jesus. And the second, the second most important thing about prayer goes right along with that, and that was what Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four, 24, and that is that when we pray, we have to what? We have to believe that we receive the answer. We have to believe that God heard us. We have to believe that God wants to do for us what we've asked Him to do. We've got to believe that. You know, we just don't throw a prayer up there and say, well, I don't know if God wants to answer my prayer or not, but it's, worth, it's like a slot machine in Vegas. We'll just throw some money in there and pull a handle and see what happens. That's not the way New Testament prayer for a believer is supposed to be. Jesus said, what things soever, in Mark eleven twenty four, 24, He said, what, what, whatsoever things you ask or desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So we ask the Father in the name of Jesus and in faith, believing that God answers the prayer for us when we pray. And there's so much, you, you just go, go back and get the CDs or have them make you some CDs of those because we don't have time to go through all of that again. But those two factors in prayer, praying to the Father in the name of Jesus and asking and believing you receive, those, those factors concern you individually. It's what you have need of. It's what you, 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 you can't pray that prayer for me. It's for you. Now, there's other prayers you can pray for me, but, but you have to pray to the Father yourself for your own personal needs and believe that He answers, okay? That's so important. But then the third factor of prayer that, that, was, that we talked about goes right along with Mark eleven twenty four, which is found in Mark eleven twenty five and 26, where Jesus continued that thought. And He said, not only when you pray, uh, believe you receive and you shall have, but He said, and when you stand praying, when you're in prayer, forgive if you have anything against anyone. You forgive them. And, he, and, he, and he, he, made, he made sure that we got this because he said something really important. The next phrase was, he said in the next verse, in the 26th verse of Mark 11, For if you do not forgive, and I'm just paraphrasing, but Jesus said, If you do not forgive others of their trespasses, then your heavenly Father will not forgive you of your trespasses. And so I need forgiveness from time to time. I know nobody else here probably does. Amen. But I do every once in a while need to ask the Lord to forgive me. Well, I don't want, I don't want to be in that place where he says, Sorry, uh, you, you got something against so-and-so you, you haven't forgiven. So when you pray, let that drop. And we talked about what forgiveness meant. It meant to let it go, to let it drop, to forget about it. Amen. Put it under the blood. All right? So we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. We believe we receive when we pray. Uh, we for, Be sure you forgive when you pray. And then last Wednesday night, we talked about another important, uh, another important factor in prayer, and that is to depend upon the Holy Spirit to help you in prayer. How many needs the help of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Paul said in, in Romans 8, 26, For we do not know 
for what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Himself makes intercession for us uh, with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now that's not something, and I might have mentioned that last week. This isn't something that the Holy Spirit does apart from you. You're just not going through life and the Holy Spirit's doing all your praying for you. One, one person told a pastor that one time, said, you know what, since I found out the Holy Spirit does my praying, I don't have to pray anymore. Well, that's not what Paul was talking about, amen? He, he, the Holy Spirit was given to you to help you, not to do for you. He will empower you and He will help you. He's called alongside, He's the paraclete. He's been called alongside to help us, all right? So um, He's there to help our infirmities. He's there to help our weaknesses. That's what that word infirmity means, it, it, to help us in our weaknesses of the flesh. And uh, one of the weaknesses that Paul mentioned there in, in Romans 8, 26 was that we just don't know. We're limited in, in our praying because we only know certain things with our, with, our, with our mind. But thank God the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you knows everything. Amen. Because He is God. The Holy Spirit is God. He's, um, he's omniscient. He knows everything. So he can make intercession and um, with groanings. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, praying in the Spirit or with the Spirit is so important in the life of the believer. Being filled with, baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues, getting that prayer language to pray in the Holy Spirit, that is so vitally important to you and I as believers. The devil has fought that over the years so much. Uh, the prayer language, speaking in tongues, it has been, that, that, you know, that's been fought uh, probably as much more than anything tongues has. Amen? Amen? And so we believe, we're tongue talkers here. All right? Got a few amens, but we are. We're t everybody here tonight, I think, knows that. We're tongue talkers. We believe in... Um, in speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. We believe that that's the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We also then believe that, uh, that, that speaking in tongues is a, a, a fountain that should never dry up in your life. That you need to continue after you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit on a daily basis to fellowship with the Father and to commune with the Lord with your prayer language in the Spirit. Amen. It just enhances your life. It builds you up. It strengthens you spiritually. It edifies you. It's the rest and the refreshing. Isaiah said that he would cause the weary to rest, you know, through speaking in tongues and praying in tongues. So, so that was the fourth. That was the fourth most important thing that 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 we need to know about prayer and. Um, that is so important, to depend upon the Holy Spirit. And I know some people, you know, they'll pray for four or five minutes and say, okay, I've, I've prayed everything I know. Well, you can probably pray everything you know to pray in 10 or 15 minutes. But if you will just depend then on the Holy Spirit to pray what you don't know. Paul said 
I will pray with my spirit and I will pray with my understanding also. Amen. I will sing with the spirit, with my spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. And so, you know, the devotional part, this, this devotional gift of tongues, of communicating with the Father is the most important part of praying or of speaking in tongues, period. Amen? That's the And back when we taught on Sunday nights, um, and we taught on the gifts of the Spirit, and we talk, taught a, a, a message that one Sunday night on diverse kinds of tongues, the gift of diverse kinds of tongues, I, made that, I thought I made that pretty clear, that the most important use of tongues is in your private prayer life and communion with God. Amen. That's most important. And secondary then would be a, oper, the operation of tongues in the, um, in the body. And that gift is different. Listen, that gift of, of giving messages in tongues in a public assembly, that is one of the nine spiritual gifts. That is different than your uh, prayer language that you've been given when you receive the baptism. Everybody that's baptized in the Holy Spirit speaks in tongues. Everybody that's baptized in the Holy Spirit has been given a prayer language to communicate with God. But not everybody that has been baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaks in tongues has the gift of diverse kinds of tongues to give messages in the church service. All right? Amen. So that's a whole other lesson there. But we, um, we depend upon the Holy Spirit. Now, this last, this, this last uh, important factor about prayer is linked to what I just talked about and what we talked about last week. But number five, important factor of prayer, number five, and I think so many of us, we, we've got to get a hold of this because we miss this. And that is that we must pray the prayer of intercession. We must pray the prayer of intercession. Now, when I say that, you know, and we're going to talk about what that is in just a few minutes, but, but intercession, intercession is such an important part of your and my prayer life. And something that I found out, and you'll f you find it out from reading the Scriptures, but it's just a fact that there's not very many people anymore within the church that intercede or that are intercessors. And somebody's saying, well, what, what is an intercessor? How many knows there's different kinds of prayer? There's different kinds of prayer. You know, sometimes we want to just say prayer and lump, lump everything together and say everything's... But there are different kinds of prayer. Paul said in Ephesians 6 and 18, uh, he said, praying always with all prayer. Um, some other translations say with all kinds of prayer or with all manner of prayer. So there's different kinds of prayer. There's prayer, supplication, intercessions, giving of thanks. Paul mentioned those in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, that, 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 that prayers and intercessions and supplications. So there's different kinds of prayer. So intercessory prayer is a different kind of prayer than what we've been talking about when we've talked about asking the Father for something in the name of Jesus and believing you receive. Because when you make a petition to God for yourself or something you need, you're not interceding for yourself. 
and you're not interceding for somebody else. And here's the problem I think that we've run into in prayer, with prayer in the local church today. Number one, a lot of people don't pray, period. Um, but number two is that when they do pray, it's just all about them and not about anybody else or anything else. Amen? Amen. We just seem to be focused a lot of times upon our own needs and our own desires and getting our bills paid and getting our prayers answered and getting our bodies healed and, and, and getting what we need from the Lord. And we're always wanting everybody else to pray with us or pray for us to get our needs met. But listen, God's looking for some people that will step in and be intercessors and pray for others. Hallelujah. So we got to pray the prayer. we got to learn to pray prayers of intercession. And, you know, I'm not saying that God's, God's called you to a ministry of being an intercessor. Um, I know some people have said before, well, you know, that's my calling. I, I'm called into the ministry of intercession, and I don't really find that in the Scripture because I believe that everybody that's saved, that, that is born again, God at any point in time, if we will listen to Him and be sensitive to Him, will use us in the area of interceding for somebody else. Hallelujah. And that's why it's so important. That's why it is so important that we have the Holy Spirit. Because you can't intercede for somebody else effectively without the Holy Spirit. You can only pray for them what you know. You can only pray for them certain to a certain point. Amen? But when you've got the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost can take you into a deeper level of intercessory prayer than what you would be able to to go into without the Holy Ghost or just with your own mind and with your own understanding. Is anybody with me tonight? Hallelujah. So intercession is important. Amen. Paul said it in Romans 8, 27. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now I'm going to stand here and tell you something tonight. That the reason I'm in this, in this pulpit right here tonight preaching, I, I, I think I can safely say that I'm a product, I'm a product of intercession. Somebody prayed for me. Somebody prayed for me. And I think I would be safe in saying that probably everybody in this service here tonight the reason you're here and the reason you're in the kingdom of God and the reason you're saved is not because you were just so good God just had to have you. Amen. <laughs> but, but, but it was because somebody somewhere was calling your name before God and praying for you and asking God to get a hold of your life. I know that's the fact in my life because I know I know that I had a, a, a grandma and a mom, and you've heard me talk about it before. When I was away from the Lord, I mean calling my name and family members that were praying for me and interceding for me. And so I can say I'm a product of intercession. I think that's why we need to know what we, need, what we do about or, not, or, or need to know more about intercession because we don't realize how important it is to, to intercede for others. Now that word intercede, when we mean to intercede, that word means to act. It's to act between two parties with the thought of reconciling the two of them. 
to act between two parties or to stand in the gap, in the middle between two parties with the thought of bringing them together and uh, reconciling the two of them. It has the inference that there are two parties that are at enmity or at odds with each other. And so somebody is doing something to try to bring them together. And this, this is what intercession is. So intercession, when we talk about interceding, it's usually, usually intercession is for the lost or for the backslider. Are you with me? Most of the time. Now, you know, we talk about supplication. Somebody said, well, you know, you can intercede for saints. And, but I think when you're, when you're interceding for saints, and you can in certain areas, but it enters then in more into supplication, because that word supplication, to supplicate, and like I said, he talks about supplications and intercessions in Second Peter, or in First Timothy 2, but... To supplicate means to make a humble entreaty or to implore God or to ask God humbly and earnestly for something. So it's talking about our petitions and our requests. And I can make supplication for myself. I can make supplication for you for a need that you may have. But when it comes to somebody that's lost or somebody that's backslid, somebody that needs to come to God, uh, it's intercession then that... That, that prayer of intercession and interceding for them, for that unsaved loved one. And with the Holy Spirit, you can even be making intercession for, for people that you don't even know and, and effectively be praying for them to come to know the Lord. And I want to say this tonight because I believe this is really the reason that more people are not being saved in the day and the, the, the hour in which we're living today, there's probably a, several variables or reasons, but I think that probably one of the main reasons that we're not seeing or experiencing more people coming to Jesus in this church or whatever church, I don't think it's just this church, I think it's pretty widespread, amen? I know there's a lot of growth going on in certain churches, but I don't know how many of those people, how many of those people are really getting born again and getting saved and getting their lives changed. See, we're not, we're not interested in just filling seats or having numbers. We're interested in people actually getting born again. Amen. We see people come into revival meetings, you know, and, and boy, they'll come and they'll shout and they'll dance and they'll come and pray and weep and cry at the altar and then they'll go out and you don't see them again. Did they get born again? I don't think so. Then we'll say, well, we had 35 people saved in that revival and the church has nothing to show for it. Something's wrong somewhere. That went over real good. Praise the Lord. But I believe that is the reason that we're not seeing more people and more people are not being saved is because there's very, very little intercession today. Among the, the, the small amount of prayer that's going on in the church world today, probably very little of that is intercessory prayer. And there was a time when that was not the case in full gospel Pentecostal churches. There was a time when that was not the case in, um, in, in Holy Ghost-filled churches. But uh, they, there was, there was a, a move of God and people had a burden for the lost, to intercede for the lost. 
But it seems like that today that's kindly a practice that has gone by the wayside. You know, I could even remember when I, when I first got saved in the, the 70s and, and during revivals, we'd come early. People would come early. You'd come into a revival service and people would be there early and they would be in the altars and they would be praying and they would be calling on the Lord and they would be interceding and they'd be praying in the Holy Ghost and they would be praying for God to move in that service that night. Amen. They would be seeking the Lord. There was some intercession that was going on. Uh, in those services, and we saw moves of God, and we saw great things take place. I don't know about anybody else, but I'd like to see that come back into the church again. I would like to see that come back into the church again. And, and it's just going to take us, you know, it's going to take us stirring ourselves up and praying, Lord, teach me to pray. Give me a, give me a spirit of intercession to intercede for, for the lost today. Isaiah 64 and verse 7. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah said. In Isaiah 64 and 7 it says, And there is no one who calls on your name. Listen to this. There is no one who calls on your name who stirs himself up to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have consumed us because of our iniquities. Here they were, this, the people of God were away from the Lord and God was ready to consume them because of their sins and because of their ungodly living and their iniquities. And the prophet said, there's no one. They see the mess that these people are, but no one is taking the time to call on your name. There's no one who stirs himself up to take hold of you. Now, you know, what, notice what he said. Do, do you realize that some, some people say, well, I just don't feel like praying. You're not always going to feel like praying, but did you know you can stir yourself and need to stir yourself up to pray at times? God was saying here through Isaiah, He was saying that if someone would have stirred himself up to pray, if someone would have stirred themselves to intercede, that the judgment that God was bringing on them because of their sins could have been averted and stopped if somebody would have just prayed, but nobody did. Are you hearing me today? Hallelujah. This, I'm hoping this will stir us a little bit. Amen. And this, this verse in Ezekiel 22 and 30, and we know this verse, but here's what God said through Ezekiel. He said, So I sought for a man among them who would make up a hedge or a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. Do you see what he's saying? There was judgment that was getting ready to come again upon the land. And, and God did, you know, listen, God wants to deal in mercy and not in judgment. Do you understand that? I mean, God is not just setting up in heaven saying, boy, I can't wait till they do something wrong so I can really pour my wrath out on them. He wants to deal in mercy. He wants to deal in love. And that was the thing here. There was, there, was, there, was, there was judgment that was getting ready to come on the land. And God was saying, if I could just find somebody that would step in that gap, 
that would make intercession, that would pray for the land, that would pray for the people, that would stand in the gap and make up the hedge uh, before me on behalf of the land. What were, they, what were they praying for? See, this is intercession. They're coming before God, not on behalf of themselves, but, but on behalf of their land, on behalf of somebody else. And God said, if I could just find, I sought for one, but notice that, that I should not destroy the land, that I should not send judgment upon the land. I looked for an intercessor. I sought for somebody that would just pray, that would just pray, that would just intercede. And look at those last few words, but I found no one. Isn't that sad? God said, I looked for an intercessor, but I couldn't find anybody that would pray. Think about that, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. See, God is looking for people of prayer today. God, I believe, today is still looking for people that will stand in that gap on behalf of others and that will pray and that will intercede. Are you with me? You know, Abraham was, uh, he was the friend of God. And God came and visited Abraham there in the 18th chapter of Genesis. And uh, he confirmed the promise to Abraham and Sarah. God did that he was going to give them the promised son. And then the Lord said, Shall I hide from my servant Abraham the thing that I'm getting ready to do? And what was God getting ready to do? I mean, here was God and two angels with God that appeared to Abraham in the tent door, talked to him about Isaac being born, and then the two angels went on their way, and God stayed there to talk with Abraham. And he said, he, he said I'm not going to hide from Abraham what I'm getting ready to do. So God said to Abraham, the, the cry of the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah has come up before me. And so God was letting him know that judgment was getting ready to come. And Abraham knew that he had a nephew and his family. He had some family members down there in Sodom and Gomorrah. And here God's letting him know that he's getting ready to judge this wicked, wicked, ungodly place. We're not going to go into all that tonight. I think we all know about Sodom and Gomorrah. But God is letting Abraham know. He said, I'm going to go down the cry of that sin. It's very grievous. I'm, I'm come down to see if it's as bad as what's been reported to me. And he said, I'm going to see and judgment's going to fall. And so Abraham begins to converse with God. And he says, let me just ask you something. He said, God, if there would be 50 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, surely... The, 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 the God of the earth would do what is right. Surely you're not a God. Now he's interceding. Surely you're not a God who would destroy the righteous with the wicked. I know that God, that's not the way you are. You wouldn't destroy the righteous. with. And so if there were just 50 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, God, would you spare the city for just? 50 righteous. See, that's not the way we are. We're praying most of the time, God, pour it out your wrath on them. Get them. Get them, Lord. 
Amen. But Abraham's praying that God would be merciful. And I'm going to tell you, here we see in this, in this intercessory prayer of Abraham, we can see how merciful God is. Because God told Abraham, He said, if I, find, if I can find 50 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, I will spare those cities for the sake of those 50. Well, then Abraham said, well... Lord, let me just ask you one more thing here. Uh, if there would be 45, would you, would you, surely you would spare the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah if there were 45 that were righteous? And he said, if I can find 45, I'll spare those cities. And Abraham goes another time and he says, what about if there's 40? Would you spare it for the sake of 40? And God said, yeah. I'd spare it for the sake of 40. And then he got him down to 30. And then he got him down to 20. And then Abraham said, well, I'm just going to speak one more time and then I'm going to hush. But if there are 10 righteous, surely, surely there'd be 10 people in this wicked place that were righteous. He said, if there were just 10 righteous people, would you spare the city for the sake of the 10? And God told Abraham, if I can find 10 righteous people, I'll spare the city. But see, here was the thing. He couldn't find 10 righteous people. There wasn't 10. Uh, you know, there was Lot and his wife and, and daughters and their husbands, but I'm not so sure about him. I'm not so sure about his son-in-law. And Lot was kind of on the borderline, you know. He was, he, was, he was on the borderline. But see, the point that I'm wanting to make, and you, you remember when those angels went to Sodom and Gomorrah with the, with the decree from the Lord to bring judgment and bring fire? They came to Lot's house, and they told Lot, you've got to get out of here. You've got to get out. We're taking you out of here. And, and th there was something that was said there that's very important. They said, we are going to destroy the city, but we can do nothing until you're out of here. You, are you hearing what I'm saying? Why was that? Because there was a man that had a covenant relationship with God that was standing before God and that was interceding for those cities. Basically, he was interceding for the righteous. He was trying to, to, to get protection and deliverance for his family, and God honored that prayer. Now, he still destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, but... Um, Lot and and uh, and those and his his daughters were spared from there. Amen. His wife was spared, but she turned she turned and looked back. Her heart was still in Sodom. That's a whole nother message. I believe with all my heart. Listen to me. That. Just as, as Abraham interceded for other people and for cities and God heard his prayer and God heard his intercession, we're in the new covenant. God is still the same today. And he, we're under, listen to me, we're under, we're under the covenant now of grace. Amen. And I believe that God wants to save America. He wants to say, listen to me, the Bible says in the New Testament, it says, Peter said, that God is not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Amen. He gave His life for all men. Jesus did. And it's the will of the Lord for everybody to be saved. Everybody's not going to be saved, but God wants them to be saved. Amen. And I still believe that God, if we, if we will pray, if we will pray and we will intercede for this nation, 
for our leadership, that God will hear our prayers. He will hear the prayers of His church for our cities, for our nations, for this world, amen, and for the sake of His children who live in those cities. God will move, amen. He's looking for somebody to pray. He's looking for somebody to intercede, amen. Oh, I can't help but believe that every Tuesday and every Saturday here at Abundant Life Family Church when we pray, I'm telling you, the presence of God is always here, isn't it? Amen. I mean, the power of the Lord is so strong. But every time that we pray, we're praying for our, our leaders. We're praying for our nation. Amen. Oh, I got I to gotta, I gotta close. But listen, I, I made reference to this verse before, but Paul writing to Timothy and 1 Timothy chapter 2, he said, I exhort, verse 1, he said, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Then he said, which men? For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Listen to verse 4. Who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So here the Lord's admonishing us to pray for our leaders, our president, those who are in authority. Amen. For this nation. We need to pray for this nation. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people which are called by my name, will humble themselves. And what? And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. God said, I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I really believe that God will hear the prayers of His church for this nation. I'm going to tell you what, He heard, He did hear in that last election. God heard our prayers and God moved and performed a miracle. Woo! Hallelujah! we got to pray like we've never prayed before. There's another one coming up. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. we got to pray. we got to intercede for our nation, for our leaders. Hallelujah. You need to pray. And I know we all fall short of this, but we we need to pray for our president, for Donald Trump, every day. We need to lift him up in prayer. And pray that he would be, that God would protect him, and that God would guide him, and God would give him wisdom. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and the Lord turns it as he does the mighty rivers. What's that saying? If there's a, if there's a leader, a king, a president, whatever the case, that, would, that, ju- that has a heart just a little bit inclined to God, God will take a hold of that man's heart. Well, well how do you, is he saved? I don't know if he's saved. I doubt it. He doesn't bear the fruit. But that doesn't matter. That, that doesn't, well, it does matter, but can I tell you something? Oh, now here we go. We're getting political again. But can I tell you what it does mean? That, 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 that if he would just turn, if the 
if the church will pray, God can turn his heart. If his heart is inclined a little bit to the Lord, to just wanting to reach out and do the will of God, God will move and guide and direct. But God is looking for people. He's searching for men and women that will come before the throne of grace and that will pray and that will intercede for, for the nation, for the country, for our leadership. Pray for them. He said, pray for those leaders, those kings, and for all those who are in authority. You know who was in leadership when that was written? Nero. He was, in, he was the king. Paul's saying, pray for him. Wasn't anybody any worse than him. Praise God. But they were to pray for him. So we're to pray for our leaders. And he said that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, when government, when our government is being directed by the Lord, it's going to make it a lot better on us and on the church. When our government, when the government gets in the wrong hands, that's when we're not going to be leading that quiet and peaceable life, but it's going to be uh, going to be a lot of persecution and things. God said, again in Isaiah 59, 16, He saw that there was no man. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. The thing that caused God to wonder was that there was no intercessor. Let me, let me, let me wrap this up. Isaiah 66, I made reference to this last week, but He says in Isaiah 66, Who's heard, verse 8, who's heard such a thing, who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth one day, or shall the nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Now somebody says, well, that's referring to Zion, to Israel. And it is literally there, but also in the book of Hebrews, Paul spoke, or the writer of Hebrews spoke of that heavenly Zion as well. And so it can also, does have reference to the church. And this, is, this, is, this verse is referring to uh, the church bringing forth children through spiritual travail. It's what Paul talked about there in Romans 8, 27, 26, 27, with groanings which cannot be uttered. I, I mentioned last week a little bit about, I said look up Daniel Nash. Uh, I don't know how many did or did not, but... He was, he was a, a, a partner of Charles Finney, who he and, a, and another man would go ahead of Finney to the revivals, or to the cities where they were going to have revivals. And they would get a room at a boarding home or somewhere, and they would try to um, get a few more people together that would, they would pray for those cities, and they would pray for those meetings for several days or a couple of weeks before Charles Finney would get there. And people wondering why Finney had such great results in the revivals, but these men would go ahead and they would pray for, for days and days or weeks for those areas before the evangelists even got there to hold the meeting. And um, one, one particular instance Finney talks about in one of his books, but he said that he came to this particular town where Father Nash, is what they called Daniel Nash, they called him Father Nash, and uh, Mr. Cleary, and they had another man with them. But he had came to the town to preach the revival, and, 
the lady that had the boarding home called Finney over to the place where these men were staying. And she told Charles Finney, she said, there's something terribly wrong. Said these men have been in this room for several days now and they haven't come out. They're not eating. They're not getting any food. And she said, I went to check on them and she said, I, I, I peeked through the door because she said I could hear them on the other side of the door. But she said, I peeked through the door and said all three of them were laying flat on the floor on their face and they were groaning. She said, there's something terribly wrong with them. I don't know what it is. And Finney said, there's nothing wrong with them. They have a spirit of travail and prayer up and intercession upon them. She said, they've been doing this for several days. This isn't something you can just work up. This comes from the Holy Spirit giving you that burden of prayer. Amen. God knows how much we need. That kind of praying today. Amen? Hallelujah. An evangelist told the story of... I'll close with this. I could go on and on. I'm having fun tonight. An evangelist told the story of uh, holding a revival in a particular church. Back in the, it was back in the 50s, mid to late 50s. But uh, he went to a particular church to hold a revival and said the church was on fire for God. So they had, at that particular time, for a, for a Pentecostal church, full gospel church, said they had a fairly large sanctuary. The place was full on Sunday mornings. He said even on Sunday nights, and that used to be our, our biggest service was Sunday night. And even on Sunday night, he said the place was packed. The revivals were great. There was a moving of the Spirit. People were getting saved. The church was growing. It was being blessed. But he said there was a little, there was a there was a, a elderly lady that was in that church that they called Grandma Greer. He said Grandma Greer was in her 80s and she had gotten, like I say, this was in the mid to late 50s. She had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost many, many years before. And said, Grandma Greer was the intercessor of that church. Said she would be in the altars every service, praying in tongues, groaning in the Spirit, interceding. She would have a spirit, what we're talking about here, of travail that would be upon her, travailing for souls. And more people were coming in and people were getting saved and there was a move of God. There was the outpouring of the Spirit. It was just awesome. Well, this, this evangelist went on to say that he was gone from there and didn't come back to that church for about three years. And three years later, he come back and he said it wasn't the same church. He said the, the attendance had fallen, people had left. Um, the Sunday night services, hardly anybody showed up. Nobody was getting saved. It was just dead. He said it was dead and it was cold as it could be. And he knew something was wrong. Something had happened. And so he began to inquire and ask the people. He said, what happened? This isn't the same church that it was three years ago. And they began to tell him. He said, well, I'm the pastor of this church. Um, he, he resigned the church and left. And we got a new pastor. Got a young guy in. Younger pastor in. And said he began to make some changes. And he said the very first thing that he did was he told Grandma Greer... He said, we're not going to have no more of that. 
praying and groaning and making those noises around the altar. He said it's embarrassing and it's, it, it will run people off. So he said, we don't want no more of that. So he put a stop to that. That was the thing that put the nail in the coffin of that church. Because little did he know this lady was the spiritual lifeline. Because prayer is the spiritual lifeline of the church. Amen. He cut off. Why were there being births in that church? Because that dear sister was travailing in prayer. When Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. She was travailing in prayer, and sons and daughters were being born into the kingdom. But when they stopped the intercession, when they stopped the travail, when they stopped the pleadings for souls, that's when revival ended and people are not getting saved anymore. We got to get that back, saints. We got to get the spirit of intercession back in the body of Christ again, back in the church again. See, when you lose intercession, when you lose prayer and intercession, then the next thing you have to do is come up with some other plan to get people to come. Whether it's a, a light show or a giveaway or something, see, but the, but, but, but the whole thing lies within prayer, with prayer, with prayer. Amen? Praise God. Let's stand tonight. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Lord, we praise you and worship you.